It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. Thanks for joining us today. James Rapine will be back with me next week for Locked On Bengals, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts for free, so thanks for making us your first free listen of the day. Also on YouTube if you want to check that out. If you're on YouTube and you like the content, well, we've got a lot of it five days a week, and you can hit that thumbs up button, hit that subscribe button, and we'll be coming to you on your devices just whenever we put up new content. Today, we're going to do a mailbag on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, but there are a few quick news items that I wanted to hit first. And the first one that I want to talk about is an interesting quote from Mike Brown during the the pep rally, the the postseason celebration in Cincinnati that occurred this week. And Brown said that the Bengals want to do some things to help Joe Burrow. He spoke positively, of course, of his franchise quarterback, calling him accurate, tough as nails, a smart player that shines through. He also said that he thinks that the Bengals have a core of a top team and that they'll add to it because he thinks that they can make it better. This, to me, is interesting from Mike Brown. Of course, talk is cheap. I said this on Twitter, and he has to back up the talk with action for this to really mean anything. But I don't know that we've heard Mike Brown speak about, you know, aggressively going out and doing things. And he didn't use the word aggressively. He didn't use the words, we're going to go all out or anything, but they want to do some things to help him. Speaks to a man who knows the situation his quarterback is in, knows what core they have, and knows what they can build around that core to try to get back to the Super Bowl. He's now, for the first time in 33 years, experienced that Super Bowl again. He knows what it was to get there. He knows what it was to lose it. He knows that experience now. He knows that they have a now young but experienced postseason team that's overcome a lot this year. And I think he's aware of where those deficiencies are. He thinks that he can make the team better. Look, that that for Mike Brown, I think, means something. We'll see when free agency comes around. We'll see how aggressive they are with the offensive line, how aggressive they are when they try to add or or keep, or, or what they try to do on the defensive side of the ball with the pass rush and with the defensive backs. But to me, these really did stand out. And so I wanted to make sure that we covered those Mike Brown quotes. The other couple bits of news are Football Scoop is reporting that Wyoming's offensive line coach, Derek Frazier, is headed back to the NFL for a job with the Cincinnati Bengals. He was previously in New York, I believe under Frank Pollock. And this is where the connection comes from as the assistant offensive line coach, Frank Pollock, last year in New York as the offensive line coach. So we'll see what this means for Ben Martin, who is the current Bengals assistant offensive line coach, has been with the team for three years. He might have an opportunity elsewhere. I think that coaches have always spoke very highly 
of of Ben Martin. He's still listed on the team website, though, as the assistant offensive line coach. So nothing official yet, but this has been reported today. Also, Adam Schefter reporting that Steve Jackson may be done in Cincinnati. And this is because the Bengals apparently have a job for Charles Burks. He was formerly the cornerbacks coach in Miami. Adam Schefter tweeted that he was leaving Miami for a similar role in Cincinnati, which would be cornerbacks coach Malik Wright later clarifying on Twitter that he would be replacing Steve Jackson, who's been the Bengals uh, cornerbacks coach for the last few years, has 18 years of experience in the league. Uh, By comparison, Charles Burks, much less experienced, at least in the NFL, has five years of Division II college defensive coordinator experience and has been coaching for a long time just doesn't have the wealth of cornerback coaching experience that Steve Jackson has. So a little bit of a change there. I don't think this is a big deal. Rob Livingston remains a safeties coach. Lou Anaruma has a defensive backs background. And so this could just be Steve Jackson at another opportunity. It could be some philosophical differences and they wanted to go a different direction. Not exactly sure, but I don't think that either of these coaching changes are terribly significant. And when you go back to the offensive line and uh, Derek Frazier, who was previously in the NFL with Frank Pollock, you can understand why maybe Frank Pollock would want to go back to a guy that he's worked with, or maybe they're just adding to the building. Maybe they're just adding additional staff, not clear what's going on yet with Ben Martin and nothing officially announced by the team. So Some of this still in the air a little bit, but this was all news on Thursday evening. So just wanted to start there before we get into the mailbag because, you know, news happens and we like to cover the news here on Locked On Bengals. We are going to get into the mailbag and the first question is a quick one. So we're going to start with it now. Jeff Johnson at Jeff underscore Johnson 73 asked, Do you think Jonah Williams has played well enough to deserve having his fifth year option picked up and will the Bengals organization actually do it? So I went and looked at first round option prices on overthecap.com. They've got the fifth year option projections and there are a number of different incentives for rookies that will escalate their fifth year option price. For example, Kyler Murray went to a Pro Bowl, Jamar Chase in this situation as well. And for Kyler Murray as a multiple pro bowler, actually, sorry, instead of a basic fifth year option, which for the first overall pick would have been $18.7 million or so, his fifth year option will cost the Arizona Cardinals $28.6 million. So there's a significant escalator there, $10 million escalator or so for going to multiple pro bowls. Jonah Williams hasn't qualified for any of the incentives that would bump the fifth year option up. So the basic fifth year option. For Jonah Williams, the 11th overall pick at an offensive line position will be $11.6 million, which is relatively modest for a starting offensive tackle in the NFL. And if he had hit Pro Bowls, et cetera, his his number could have been $15 million. It could have been $16.7 million. But at $11.6 million, I think this is a no-brainer for the Bengals. Jonah Williams has been the best offensive lineman on the team. I realize that his PFF pass blocking numbers may leave something to be desired. He didn't take necessarily the step that you would have liked to have seen this year, but this was his first full season. And I do still think that he's their best offensive lineman. I, I think this is a no brainer move. You need some stability. You need to keep some pieces on this offensive line. They can't afford really to go back to scratch and try to replace all five guys. I think that's just too tall of a task. I think it's hard enough already to think about just trying to get 
four new starters or three new starters or two new starters or whatever it is that you think they're going to do this offseason as they try to rebuild the offensive line. And I do think they will, but I do think the Bengals will pick up the fifth-year option. And I think that Jonah Williams has played well enough to deserve it because, like I said, $11 million for a left tackle in the NFL isn't massive money by any means. And I think that it's, it's reasonable to say that, that Jonah Williams has earned that. And, well, we have a lot more questions to get to today. I am without James, of course. So it's just me. We don't have James' electric energy from those built bars. We'll be back into the mailbag here in just a minute. But this episode is brought to you by betonline.net. Football season is over, unfortunately. But we're into the off season, which means we're going to have draft props soon. Maybe we'll have some free agency props. Maybe you want to get in on Bengal Super Bowl futures. BetOnline.net has all of that covered. And if you're just done with football for a while, you're still listening to the Lockdown Bengals podcast as a loyal listener, but you just need a break from thinking about things. You don't want to think about next year's games yet. Well, they've got basketball going on right now, too. you got pro and college hoops. You've got the NHL. You've got Olympic coverage going on, boxing, hockey, UFC, all sorts of stuff at BetOnline.net. So you can check it out right now. You can get your your sports scores, podcast news, all in one place with Bet Online. So again, check it out right now and use your mobile device or your your just computer browser to find out all of the trends in action, all of the current offers at Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get back into this mailbag a little bit here. We've got DPice716, who's interested in a little bit of background on Charles Burks. And he, like I said, has been in Miami for three years now. I'm going to check out his biography here on dolphins.com. He's in his first year as a cornerbacks coach. He was a coaching assistant for the last two years. So this is a guy that at the NFL level, at least, doesn't have a ton of experience. He's a relatively young guy as well. He, he's been coaching since he came out of school. He graduated from, from East Central as a three-year cornerback in 2010 and started coaching in 2011 at East Central. He also coached defensive backs at Texas A&M Commerce and West Texas A&M. So never necessarily a huge school, didn't play on the Division I level or anything like that, but has been coaching defensive backs and, and has been coaching since 2011. Went straight from playing into coaching. That means he's roughly my age uh, since he finished school in 2010. Was pretty good. As a defensive coordinator, he spent five seasons as the defensive coordinator at Southeastern Oklahoma State. He was the youngest coordinator in the Great American Conference at that point at 26 years old. And of course, with the Dolphins, was part of the defensive coaching staff that helped Xavier Howard break out in 2020 in a big way on his way to a 10 interception season. Has worked with the cornerbacks in Miami for a couple of years now. So, if this hire does indeed become official, 
The information about Charles Burke that stands out to me is that, you know, he's a young guy and it was pointed out that he's relatively inexperienced, especially compared to Steve Jackson and inexperience isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there is a little bit of concern for me from a continuity perspective, just because they've been pretty good with Steve Jackson as a cornerbacks coach. So again, we'll see where he goes. I assume that he's moving on to another position in in a, in another organization, but that isn't confirmed. So until we know that for sure, I guess we shouldn't be moving on entirely from Steve Jackson. Maybe Burks will be an assistant coach of some sort or a coaching assistant or something like that as Mike McDaniel rebuilds his staff in Miami. And as we get more information there, we will talk about it. But the bottom line on Charles Burks is that he coached cornerbacks in Miami this year. Thought they were pretty solid as a coverage unit. Not elite, but I don't know how much of that really comes down to the cornerback coach responsibility either. Next question comes from Isaiah Sheets at Sheets Isaiah on Twitter. And he wants to know what we think is more important between upgrading the pass rush or pass coverage in free agency in the draft. And this question really comes down to which of these things do you think impacts the passer more? We talked with Brian Callahan about this. We've talked with PFF guys about this. The most valuable positions in football have to do with passing. Obviously, quarterback comes first because a quarterback is a guy delivering the passes, making the reads, and is orchestrating the passing game. And in a lot of ways, receivers are second, but on the defensive side of the ball, you're looking for players that impact the pass, which is why I don't value linebackers as highly as some of our listeners do. I'm not interested necessarily in spending a first-round pick on a linebacker unless he's you know, truly a transcendent player, and the Bengals are in a pretty good place with linebackers right now with uh, Jermaine Pratt and Logan Wilson having pretty good runs, especially in the playoffs and, and generally showing growth throughout the year. Of course, Al Golden's gone. We'll see if those guys can continue their trajectory with a new linebackers coach. But you like what you saw from them this year. But I digress from the question of, would you rather improve the pass rush or pass coverage? I feel pretty good about the Bengals in coverage right now. However, the data would tell you that covering guys is more important than the pass rush in a vacuum. And this is kind of evident at times this year, I would say, when you watch this team, because outside of Trey Hendrickson, they didn't necessarily have guys that created a ton of pressure on their own. Larry Ogunjobi, of course, flashed. Sam Hubbard was very productive. Uh, DJ Reader, fantastic player, love him. And run defense was, you know, okay as a pass rusher, as a versatile guy, as he would like to say, as he told me uh, on media availability day last Friday before the Super Bowl. And BJ Hill, you hope you get him back. We'll see about Larry Ogunjobi, but neither of those guys are Geno Atkins, obviously. Geno Atkins was a special player, Hall of Fame talent. So for me, I'm looking at it and seeing that the Bengals were pretty good in coverage this year, and that helped them be a better pass rushing unit than maybe the talent of the individual pass rushers would have allowed. They they helped produce coverage sacks. We saw this against Patrick Mahomes, of course. Uh, a number of times. And so I'm looking at the pass rush personally, uh, that that's my top priority on the defensive side of the ball. Of course, I think, and I've said this, I think that they should look for an upgrade for Eli Apple on the other outside starting corner spot with Chidobe Awuzie holding down the, the primary, I, I guess, number one corner job for now. And, and just try to pair a dominant outside corner combination. You, you can't hate that. I like Mike Hilton in the slot. I like the safeties. I think they're both going to be back. And so that leaves you with one corner to address. And and I think they need a couple pass rushers. You hope that Joseph Osai comes back and can provide a little bit of a little bit of punch. 
and be a really good player that allows Sam Hubbard to move around more, allows them to put more pass rushing skill on the field on third downs or in passing situations. But they do have a needed defensive tackle. And so if it's BJ Hill and Larry Ogunjobi, fine. If they want to draft a guy in the first round, I'm very open to drafting a three tech at 31. That's Geno Atkins old position. The guy that lines up between uh, the, the guard and the tackle that tries to penetrate, tries to one gap, tries to create havoc in the backfield. And Geno Atkins was obviously great at it. And the guys like Javon Hargrave and Aaron Donald also fit this mold in the NFL now. And the Bengals don't really have a guy like that at the moment, I would say. And so if, if there's a possibility to get a guy like that, I'm obviously down for that. And we'll see what happens there. But I, I do think that both of these things need to be priorities on the defensive side of the ball. And when you think about the way this team is constructed, the core on offense is all there, except they need an offensive line, right? And so for the offense, you've got your wide receivers, you've got your running back core and Joe Mixon and Chris Evans. You, you, you've got a potential need at tight end, CJ Uzama, a free agent. We'll see what happens there. You've got your quarterback, obviously. And so there's a clear need to improve your offensive line there. You're going to dedicate some offseason resources to the offensive line. We've talked about it. We're going to talk about it. Offensive line, no way around it, needs to be better. Joe Burrow needs to be better with pressure. Offensive line also needs to be better, whatever. Now, if they address that in free agency, which would be my preference, I think, right now, maybe you draft a guy as well because you need to get some guys that can step in and play right away. That frees up your draft to, again, we'll see if they do this again, go heavy on defense in the draft. We've kind of seen this approach where they've they've been heavy on defense and free agency. Maybe this is a year to get some some developmental guys, some guys that can add some juice, some specialists to be rotational on your defense. And we know that Luana Rumo likes this because of the prioritization of getting a guy like Ricardo Allen because of the, the drafting of Akeem Davis Gaither. They like these versatile pieces that can move around, that can do different things and, and can be specialists in some ways. It'll be interesting to see if they choose that approach to try to add some pass rush to this team and some versatility from a package perspective on defense. And that is a long conversation around building the pass rush, which for me is a priority on the defensive side of the ball. Coming up next, we'll get to a couple more questions here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast, but got to talk about Bilt Bar, man. I'm hungry. It's about five o'clock as I record this in my time zone. And well, maybe you're done with your New Year's resolution, but maybe this year Built Bar will make it easier to stick to one of those New Year resolutions. They taste like candy bars, but they're packed with protein. They're low in sugar. They're low in carbs, and they could help you keep that diet clean if that's one of your goals this year because they're low in sugar too, despite being covered in real chocolate. And maybe you've just tried the Built Bars in the past. You've heard me talk about the coconut brownie chunk. That's my favorite Built Bar, but you got to check out the, the puffs as well. They're, they're protein-infused marshmallow. This is a protein bar. Protein-infused marshmallow that literally takes like tastes like a chocolate-covered marshmallow. You got the cinnamony churro flavor, the coconut marshmallow flavor, banana cream pie. If you want to check out some of those puffs, all covered in 100% real chocolate. Like I said, most Built Bars around 130 calories with just 4 grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. Don't know how you can beat that when it tastes like a candy bar. So go check it out at built.com. Promo code LOCK15 will save you 15% on your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. 
This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, moving along in the mailbag here. I'm going to save some of the questions. We got some questions about the Super Bowl trip. James and I were both there. We were on Radio Row. Had some questions from Lorenzo Soros about that, from uh, Jacob Gunkel about that. Just going to save them. I want you guys to know that I saw them. We are going to spend some time talking about our experience in LA leading up to the game. Obviously, we we had some great interviews. If you tuned in last week, talked to D- Domita Pecco, talked to Mina Kimes, talked to Trey Wingo, talked to a couple guys from PFF and Mike Renner and Sam Monson. A lot of great content. Solomon Wilcots from last week. I understand that all that was about the Super Bowl and maybe you want to move on a little bit, but that was a lot of fun and we will get into that a little bit more. So the next question, we got a couple questions I'm going to package together here. Kevin Brown at KD Brown 357 and Jake at Juicy Jake underscore on Twitter. Have some questions about the financial viability of the Bengals signing some guys. And Kevin wants to know, can they add three tier one or tier two free agents in addition to re-signing Jesse Bates. And Jake wants to know if it's financially possible for Joe Burrow, T Higgins and Jamar Chase to all get second contracts. And at a high level, the answer to these questions is always yes. There's always enough money. They can always manipulate the cap. But the real question is, will the Bengals stray from their favorite as Andre Perota, friend of the show, cap analyst, Excellent cap knowledge guy. You can find him on Twitter. Just just find Andre Perota out there. Uh, how and their, their preferred structure of contracts. Their preferred structure of contracts is year one roster bonuses to make up a lot of the guaranteed money. Relatively light or modest signing bonuses. You can see this in Trey Hendrickson's deal, for example. He got about a ten million dollar signing bonus, and they like to float about ten million dollars a year on the cap. Now. There were some changes or were there were some variances, some deviancy from their favored contract structure. And this came in the form of like DJ Reader's contract of Trey Wayne's contract where they went heavier on the signing bonus. And what that does is, is just an exercise in accounting. So say you have a $10 million a year contract and you could just say, okay, you're going to get $10 million in salary in each of those years. But what signing bonuses let you do is you can give more cash to the player up front. This is guaranteed money. Say it's a $10 million signing bonus like Trey Wayne's. What happens over the for the, for the cap when you have a $10 million signing bonus is that $10 million is prorated. It doesn't all come into year one of the deal, even though the player gets the cash right away from a cap perspective, which again is just the way the money is, is uh, accounted for, the years that the money is accounted for. It's spread out over four years. So when you think about whether there's enough money for something, it's always important to remember that cash spend is very different from cap spend. Cap is an accounting tool. You can manipulate it in all sorts of ways, which is why you see teams like the Saints that are currently at like negative $60 million in cap space for next year, but they'll just do some restructures. 
and they'll get back in the clear and it'll be fine. And they plan for it. And it's always fine for them, even though they always do business that way. Whereas the Bengals, on the other hand, like to say under the cap, like to roll money over. The Browns do this, I think, too, to some degree. And the question is, will they get a little bit more aggressive to maximize the Joe Burrow rookie contract window? I think they should. I think they could. And they've shown some signs of this using a void year for Riley Reef last year, for example. And I liked Mike Hilton's contract structure. They went bigger on bonuses for DJ Reader. He got a, a pretty big signing bonus for the Cincinnati Bengals. They went big on the signing bonus for Trey Waynes. Really big for Bengals history. But then last year, back to modest signing bonuses a little bit for a guy like Trey Hendrickson, who was their biggest signing. So I'm not sure if there's a clear trend here. But they can afford to sign these free agents and Jesse Bates. They can afford to keep Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase for a couple of reasons. One, the salary cap's going to go up. It would have gone way up this year, but they're making up for last year. So there was a salary cap season for this year. But I mean, again, you have the highest rated Super Bowl in history. You got new TV money kicking in uh, next year. And the the cap based on the TV money looks like it's going to go up by about 50%. Currently, it's, it's you know in the low $200 million range uh, for, for the NFL unadjusted cap. And that could go up to $300 million in the very near future. So you think about Patrick Mahomes contract, for example, where it's going to be like a $40 million cap hit at some point. Maybe that's where Joe Burrow is going. If he needs to get a mega deal with a huge signing bonus and the Bengals need to figure out how they're going to guarantee $90 million to Joe Burrow, because that's what quarterbacks are getting these days. I think they'll figure it out. They've always figured it out for quarterbacks. Carson Palmer, Andy Dalton. You you go back to when these guys got their extensions, they were handsomely rewarded for for what they provided the Bengals. So I'm not really worried about Burrow. I am a little bit worried about T. Higgins from a timing perspective. He'll be a free agent one year, two years. Two years before Chase because he was drafted one year earlier. He was a second-round pick, so no first-year option. So he he has a four-year contract that started one year earlier. He has two years left on his deal. Chase has four years left on his deal. Maybe that timing actually allows him to retain T. Higgins before they have to pay the piper for Jamar Chase. And maybe they can do an early extension with some of these guys to to try to see if they can swing a team-friendly deal by giving these young players a little bit more money a little bit earlier in their career. But the bottom line is, to me, it's always possible. But it will require the Bengals potentially to, to be a little bit creative and, and to figure out how they're going to structure these contracts such that they, they can afford all the pieces. I, I think I said last year, I, I, I thought they could have been more aggressive in their, in their structures of the deals they gave out. I thought they could have shoehorned a couple other offensive linemen in there by getting a little bit more creative, or, or not creative, but aggressive with their uh with their contract structure they didn't do it as much and so we'll see how they go this year with the way mike brown is talking about approaching this offseason last question for the mailbag today and we'll do plenty of these in the in the offseason so if you'd like to participate in future mailbags we will do tweets from the lockdown bengals twitter accounts you just reply to that tweet and we fit in as many questions as we can uh Actually, I'll do two more questions. The next one's going to be from Chris S at Maverick 890712 on Twitter. In your heart and mind, do you believe the Bengals can make another trip to the Super Bowl this coming season? He's being optimistic. 
but he's hearing a lot of pessimisms from, or he's feeling pessimistic from some of the negative talk going around. And he says, thanks for the great content. You're welcome, Chris. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate that. Do we think the Bengals can run it back? It's possible. We've talked about this. There are a couple things that need to happen. One, the Bengals need to have another good run of health. The teams in the Super Bowl are always, generally speaking, the healthiest teams in the NFL. They need to be aggressive in free agency to fix the offensive line, the offensive line issues that we talked about all year as a ticking time bomb that we're good enough to get them on the brink of a Super Bowl. If it's a little bit better, maybe that's a one Super Bowl instead, right? And so they need to do some things in the offseason, improve the pass rush, build the offensive line. Joe Burrow gets another year of experience. He's not rehabbing all offseason, although it sounds like he'll have some rehab to do on that MCL sprain that he suffered in the Super Bowl. There are reasons to think that the team could be better next year, but they'll need to get lucky again. They had some turnover luck this year. They had significant injury luck this year, and the AFC is a gauntlet. Their path through the playoffs, I thought, was as easy as it could have been, relatively speaking, starting with the Las Vegas Raiders, then going to the number one seed Tennessee Titans, and you credit them for those wins, but I think that neither of those teams were as good as the Buffalo Bills or the Kansas City Chiefs, and they avoid Bill Belichick in the playoffs, although I think they could have beaten this version of the New England Patriots in the playoffs. So maybe that's okay. But they avoid the Bills and they get the Chiefs in the last game in the AFC Championship game. And I think that's the easiest path. You only had to deal with the Chiefs of of the cream of the crop of the AFC. You missed Josh Allen. Justin Herbert and all of his talent wasn't in the playoffs. So can they get back? Sure. Is it going to be hard? Also, yes. They need to start in the offseason with some of these aggressive moves that we're going to be talking about. And and for the last question, it's which interior offensive linemen are the best in free agency? This question comes from Hooday8188 at Day8188 on Twitter. He also thanks us for the great work we do. You're welcome, Hooday8188. Thanks for the complimentary words. Appreciate that. And he wants to know who the top offensive interior linemen are in this year's free agent class. I'll say this, it's better at tackle, especially at the top than on the interior of the offensive line. Guys like Taron Armstead, Orlando Brown, technically free agents. We'll see if Orlando Brown is retained after the Chiefs gave up a lot to go get him. He's a left tackle. He's only going to play left tackle. He's made that clear. That's how he left Baltimore. So if the Bengals want to acquire Orlando Brown, which apparently there's maybe some interest in, according to Malik Wright some time ago, at least so I'm told. They'll need to shell out a lot of money for the young guy, 26 years old. He's going to get paid. Currently projected by PFF to get a five-year, $105 million deal with a boatload of guaranteed money. $70 million plus guaranteed as a current projection for Orlando Brown. The Bengals, I would be shocked if they're going to give someone $70 million, $70 million guaranteed dollars on the jump. But maybe this is the year to go after a veteran, a guy like Taron Armstead, who's got some potential injury concerns out there, is a little bit older. So maybe the money's a little bit less. Maybe PFF's projecting a three year, $60 million deal, only $40 million guaranteed dollars. So again, a massive portion of that amount is guaranteed, which is a challenge for the Bengals who don't give out a lot of guaranteed money. But this question was about the interior offensive line. So if you eliminate tackles where at the top, the tackle class looks really good. The guys to watch are guys like Ryan Jensen, Brandon Scherf, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor Williams, James Daniels, maybe a Ben Jones and Austin Corbett. 
And, and maybe there's some guys out there that you like to move inside. Maybe Bradley Bozeman could potentially be a guy. I don't know if he's a, a, a fit. Brian Allen, the center for the Rams, could be a fit. He's 26 years old. I'm not sure that they're really prioritizing center. For me, the priority is certainly guard. Alex Kappa is another guy that could come and be a starting guard. Andrew Norwell, a guy that we talked about last year, Cincinnati ties, could come in and be a guard. I think for me, I'm looking for guys that can pass protect. Ryan Jensen would be fantastic. PFF grades aside, you turn on the film, just a, a really good player. 31 years old next year, projected by PFF to get a three-year, $13 million per year deal that would come in at $39 million total, be a $24 million guarantee. The Bengals can afford that. They've done things like that, approaching that number recently. Brandon Scherf might be a little bit harder. He's going to cost more, more likely. He's going to have a bigger guarantee. That might be a little bit harder. But then you get to some guys like, say they get a few guys like Connor Williams, James Daniels, Austin Corbett type guys, or Andrew Norwell type guys. Those will be smaller deals, similar to Kevin Zeitler last year. Zeitler got $15 million guaranteed dollars on a 21-ish million dollar deal. They could do a few of those, and I think that would go a long way. And so it's going to be identifying the right guys. Ben Jones, the Titan center, has a lot of experience in, uh, in, in zone running game. He can play guard as well. Alex Kappa with, with Tampa, obviously surrounded by talent down there, carved out, uh, a, a improved the last few years, carved out an, a fine season this year. So finding the right fit will be important as well. James Daniels, a guy that we loved pre-draft if you were following the Locked On Bengals podcast a few years ago. Uh, actually, he was before we started the podcast because he's now a free agent. We've only been doing I've only been doing the podcast for three years. But James Daniels, great athlete, young guy, 24 and a half years old, is one of the guys that I personally would prioritize in free agency. His play guard was a center at Iowa. And, and Connor Williams has been a pretty solid pass protector for the Cowboys. So a lot of guys out there this year. And not necessarily all of them, Jensen and, and Scherf certainly, but not necessarily all of them would break the bank. So some really good options for the Bengals to explore to improve the offensive line. And hey, we're getting signals that they're going to do it. And it's very obvious to me, that, and it should be very obvious to the team, what the offseason priorities need to be. And so hopefully some of these guys we're talking about signing with the Bengals in just a few weeks because that new league year is rapidly approaching. We're back next week. James Rapine will be back with me as we start to dive into the offseason and evaluate where the Bengals are going next. Until next time, Bengals fans, day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.